It's time to be equipped with spiritual battle. Defending the Faith is a show to train Christians worldwide to be effective teachers and speakers on the subject of biblical creation so that the next generation can stand firm on biblical truth and defend their faith. Now here is your host of Defending the Faith, Mike Riddle. Welcome to Defending the Faith. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, and our show is about teaching on the topic of creation and evolution and biblical apologetics or how to defend your faith. Our ministry is called Creation Training Initiative or CTI, and you can find us on the web at creationtraining.org. That's all one word, creationtraining.org. We also encourage you to email us with your comments at info, that's I-N-F-O at creationtraining.org. We'd love to hear from you, and you can email us your questions about creation and evolution. Now, let's get to our topic for today. It's a powerful topic. It's called the origin of life. Why is this important? Because, ladies and gentlemen, when we finish this session, you will know for sure evolution is false. It could never have happened. So the origin of life. Now, evolutionism, three components, three areas of evolution. There's cosmological evolution. That is about the origin of the universe, stars and galaxies. Then there's chemical evolution. That is the origin of life. Then there is biological evolution. That is commonly referred to as Darwinian evolution or how one species changes into another. So there's three areas of evolutionism. Now, here's the key. Without the origin of life or the first living cell, did you know Darwin has no foundation? In other words, the origin of life is a critical component to all of evolutionism. If we can't get that first cell by naturalistic processes, then evolution is a dead story. Isn't that wonderful? Now, let's start with some quotes here. Quotes from biology textbooks. I'm going to show you what they're teaching our youth. And I'm going to let you know this is 100% pure deception and dishonesty in our textbooks. Now, I'm not necessarily blaming teachers because teachers are mandated to teach what's in those textbooks or they may lose their job. So here's from a high school biology textbook, and I quote, Since the 1950s, Miller and other researchers using modifications of Miller's apparatus have made most of the 20 amino acids commonly found in organisms. These laboratory studies support the idea that many of the organic molecules that make up living organisms could have formed before life arose on the early Earth. Now, there's a lot of technical terms in there. We're going to explain all those, including the Miller experiment. But what they're saying there is life could have originated by naturalistic processes. Now, here's another quote. comes from a 7th grade life sciences textbook. And I state, and it states, In the dark fluid, Miller and Urey found some small chemical units that, if joined together, could form proteins one of the building blocks of life. So there again, they're given the idea that the building blocks of life can form through naturalistic processes. Well, let's compare what they said against science, real observable science. Now, to be a fact or a theory, that requires observable evidence. And evolution simply fails there, folks. No one observed that ever happen. There are also laws of science. Now, what is a law of science? What that means is everything we observe agrees with how these laws operate. There are no known exceptions. Now, one of these laws is called the law of biogenesis, which teaches that life only comes from prior life. There are no known exceptions to that. 
Well, what does evolution teach? That life arose from non-life. Folks, that has never, ever been observed. Therefore, evolution completely fails this test. So what do they do about this? They relegate the law of biogenesis down to a theory, folks. That's just pure deception. No one's ever observed non-life to produce life. Let's look at some more facts. And these facts are based on repeated observations. Notice I said this is repeatable and it is observable. Number one thing we know through observation, life cannot start in the presence of oxygen. See, we need oxygen to survive, but at the molecular level, oxygen destroys chemical bonds. So life could never have started if there was oxygen in the atmosphere. So what did the evolutionists do about this? Well, they propose, notice they said this, they propose that in the early earth, there was no oxygen. In other words, what they teach in our public schools is that the earth was different back then, meaning no oxygen in the atmosphere. Well, here's the problem with that. If we take away the oxygen out of the atmosphere, take all the oxygen away, we also have to take away the ozone because it's made out of oxygen, O3. You know what happens if we take that ozone away? And I'm going to give you a technical term here. We all become instant crispy critters. That's a technical term there. Why? Because without that ozone, the ultraviolet rays of that sun will come down and fry everything. So what we know is life cannot start in the presence of oxygen, and it cannot start without oxygen. Isn't that wonderful? Now, let me give you a couple of quotes on this, because the evolutionists try and teach there was no oxygen. Here's a quote from three scientists. One has their PhD in chemistry, the other material science, and the other has their PhD in geochemistry, and they state this. The only trend in the recent literature is the suggestion of far more oxygen in the early atmosphere than anyone imagined. There are three PhD scientists saying all the literature, all the evidence shows this planet has always had oxygen. Why don't they put that in the textbooks rather than make a blanket statement it was different? They don't know that. Now, here's another quote from three more scientists. All three have their PhD in, in geochemistry, and here's their quote. Findings suggest that the early Earth's oxygen levels were very close to current levels, meaning it's always been oxygen-based. Wow. In other words, our textbooks are not being truthful about the science. They're trying to protect evolutionism rather than be honest and teach real science. Now, here's one more quote here. Michael Denton, he has his PhD in molecular biology, and this man is an evolutionist, and he states this. What we have is sort of a catch-22 situation. If we have oxygen, we have no organic compounds. But if we don't have oxygen, we have none either. Wow, this is great news, folks. With or without oxygen, evolution could never have happened. And don't forget this. Without that first cell, Darwin is a lost cause. What are the evolutionists going to do about this? Well, they're not quite finished yet. They have another new story. They say life didn't start on land. Life started way down deep in the oceans. So far down, the sun's rays could not penetrate all the way through there. In other words, we crawled up out of the oceans. That's what they're teaching. Well, I think that's a wonderful idea. Because as soon as somebody says life started in water, I like to bring up this one little technical term called hydrolysis. Hydrolysis. Hydro means water. Hydrolysis literally means water 
water splitting. Now, we need water to survive, but at the molecular level, water destroys chemical bonds. In other words, water is one of the worst places in the universe for life to begin. So life cannot start on land with or without oxygen, and life could not have started in water. Now let's look at one more piece about this origin of life, something called amino acids. Now, I know some of you have been out of the biology classroom for a year or two, and you've forgotten a lot of your biology. So let me go through a quick review here. Let's just start with some terminology. Atoms. Let's start with atoms. Most of us have heard about atoms. There are basic building blocks, basic unit of matter. Now, atoms can bond together to make things called molecules, such as water is H2O. That's a molecule. And molecules can bond together sometimes to make things called amino acids. Now, these are very important amino acids. They're like the building blocks of life. If we can't get amino acids, we can't get life. And then finally, amino acids can bond together to make things called proteins. And that's all we need to know in order to understand this whole origin of life scenario. We've got atoms, molecules, amino acids, and proteins. We're going to keep this really simple. Now let's talk about these things called amino acids. There are hundreds and hundreds of different types of amino acids, but only 20 are used in life. Therefore, if you get one of the wrong ones in you, it could cause some serious problems. Only 20 of the hundreds are used in life. So life is very selective. Now, these amino acids also come in two shapes. Just like we have hands. We have a left and right hand. If you take both your hands and point them out away from you, you'll notice they each have four fingers and a thumb. Are they the same? Not quite. Because if you were to put one hand behind the other, both facing away from you, you'll notice your thumb and fingers are on the opposite side. But if you were to twist them a little bit and point them towards each other, you'll notice what they are is mirror images of each other. So your hands are mirror images. Now, amino acids come in the same kind of shape. Guess what we call them? left-handed amino acids and right-handed amino acids. Isn't that nice? It makes it easy for us. Now, there are, other, there are other scientific terms for this, but predominantly what you're going to hear is left and right-handed amino acids. What's the difference between them? Well, just like our hands, they are made up of the same components. And also like our hands, left and right-handed amino acids are mirror images of each other. Now, what's so important about that? Well, that is important because of this. Every single amino acid in every protein in your body, and you have trillions of these, not hundreds, not millions, not billions, but trillions of these in your body, every single one in every biological protein is left-handed. You do not have any right-handed amino acids in any proteins in your body. And as a matter of fact, Every amino acid in every protein in all of life is 100% left-handed. Right-handed ones are not used in proteins. Now, why is that important? Well, this is important because of what they don't put in the textbooks. It's called science, folks. What Miller really ended up with is an even mixture of left and right-handed amino acids. And that is not life that is a poison to life. That is as far away from life as you can get. But the textbooks fail to mention that. 
The whole Miller experiment was a complete failure. And it keeps getting better. Isn't this wonderful what God has done? It just keeps getting better. Every experiment we've ever done, every experiment since the Miller experiment has always ended up with about an even mixture of left and right-handed amino acids. Our scientists can't figure this thing out. The natural tendency is always away from life, never towards life. So how could it ever get started? And you know what? It gets better. We're made up of 100% left-handed amino acids in our proteins. And when we die and we become as dead as we can be, and I'll let you know, that's going to be pretty dead. You know what happens to our 100% left-handed amino acids? They start reverting back to a mixture of left and right-handedness. What did Miller really simulate? Death, a poison to life. Wow. You see, this is an example. What I'm giving you here is an example of Romans 1, 19 and 20, that God has given us all the evidence and we have no excuse for not believing in a creator God. The origin of life cannot start with oxygen, cannot start without oxygen, cannot start in water, and all our amino acids and all our proteins are left-handed. Well, let's take a look at some more quotes here. Jonathan Sarfati, who has his PhD in chemistry, makes this statement. Many of life's chemicals come in two forms, left-handed and right-handed. Life requires polymers with all building blocks having the same handedness. Proteins have only left-handed amino acids, but ordinary undirected chemistry, as is the hypothetical primordial soup, would produce equal mixtures of left and right-handed molecules. And that's exactly what we see. Every experiment produces left and right-handed ones. Life requires only right-handed. Ladies and gentlemen, this is seen and based on observational and repeatable science. And there is no known process for how life could have started by naturalistic processes. No known method works. Here's some more quotes. Hubert Yaki, who has his PhD in physics and supports evolutionism, says this, a great deal of effort has been expended in finding theories for the origin of life without success. Here's Donald Johnson. He has a PhD in chemistry and a second PhD in computer and information science. And he states, since there is no known scientific procedure to generate life in the laboratory, let alone by some unknown prebiotic mechanism, one could assume the probability of life from purely physical causes is zero. Here's Jonathan Wells, who has his PhD in molecular and cell biology. He states, so we remain profoundly ignorant of how life originated. Yet the Miller-Urey experiment continues to be used as an icon of evolution because nothing better has turned up. Instead of being told the truth, we are given the misleading impression that scientists have empirically demonstrated the first step in the origin of life. Wow. And that is true, folks. Our textbook authors are not telling you the real science. Now, here's Andrew, Andrew Knoll, professor at Harvard University, and he states, In a nutshell, what is the process? How does life form? The short answer is, we don't really know how life originated on this planet. There have been a variety of experiments that tell us some possible roads, but we remain in substantial ignorance. Well, I started by staying, stating that when we finish this session, you'll know for sure evolution is false. It could never happen. And that's what we have just shown. The whole foundation for Darwinian evolution 
is scientifically not possible by any mechanism we know of. And this has been confirmed by many, many evolutionists. Let's take, for example, there have been several international conferences, worldwide conferences by evolutionists to discuss the challenges to the origin of life by naturalistic processes. There was one in Italy in 2006. There was one in Spain in 2009, one in the United Kingdom in 2012, and one in Japan in 2014. These conferences discuss possible scientific and philosophical explanations to dozens of vast gaps in understanding how life could have originated by naturalistic processes. Let me summarize the results of these conferences. It comes from two evolutionary scientists summarizing these conferences. One has their, is a professor of chemistry. The other has their PhD in complex system as has done postdoctorate work in supramolecular chemistry. And here's what they have to say, the conclusion after all these conferences. The origin of life on earth is still a mystery. One of the greatest mysteries in science today. Our ignorance about the origin of life is profound. Not just some simple missing mechanistic detail. This ignorance stems not only from our experimental difficulties with prebiotic chemistry, but is also conceptual, as we are not yet able to conceive on paper how these things came about. What a wonderful conclusion that is, folks. Evolutionists don't have a clue how life could originate. All their experiments have failed miserably. So what is the answer? Well, do you know the answer is not a mystery to Bible-believing Christians. We know how life originated. It is not a mystery. In Genesis chapter 1, we read that God created all things, which includes life. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6, we read this. You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all, the host of heaven worships you. Wow. There again, God created everything. We also read in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Where the thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. It is no mystery how life originated if you believe God's word. He called it all into existence by his great power. You see, the scientific evidence clearly supports what the Bible teaches. God indeed is the creator of all life. Why do people not accept this? Even though the scientific evidence refutes evolution, why do they not accept this? Because Many out there have never been able to hear the real evidence, and that is blaming our public education system. They refuse to teach science anymore. They would rather teach evolutionism than good science. Also, there's a lack of teaching in many homes, churches, and Christian universities. We haven't been trained ourselves to know this. That's why we have our ministry, Creation Training Initiative, to start training people all over this country to be teachers. That's why you want to attend, here's our commercial, you want to attend our Christian Educators Conference so you can be trained to teach these subjects. 
Another reason why people don't accept this is peer pressure. There's enormous peer pressure in the public education system to teach evolutionism rather than the truth of science. Also, the Bible tells us another reason. There is a willful rejection of our Creator. And finally, another reason might be people would rather be liked by the world than to bow their knee to our Creator, Jesus Christ. And again, all of Darwin evolution depends on the origin of the first cell. And the best scientists of the world have no clue how it could have happened by naturalistic processes. Therefore, evolution can only be believed by faith. Isn't it sad that our public education system resorts to deception and false information to indoctrinate our students into believing evolution? Whatever happened to integrity in education? Well, I'm Mike Riddle, and you've been listening to Defending the Faith. And you can find us on the web at on creationtraining.org. That's creationtraining.org. And we'd love to hear from you. Contact us by sending us an email to info, that's I-N-F-O, at creationtraining.org. We want to hear from you. You can send your comments about creation evolution. Send us some of the things you're hearing in the school system, what your teachers are teaching, and we'll do our best to answer these. Go to our website, creationtraining.org. Go to our website, creationtraining.org, or you can email us at info, that's I-N-F-O, at creationtraining.org. And don't forget this. In the beginning, God created. Thank you, and have a blessed day. That's all for today's show. Defending the Faith airs each Saturday at noon right here on KBXL 94.1 The Voice. For more teachings and resources, visit creationtraining.org or the program archive page on 941thevoice.com.